Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Welcome to Freedom of Species, we're a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Before us, you heard Sally with Out of the Pan. Make sure you check that out on 3CR every Sunday from 12 till 1. Um, a show that does a really great job at connecting those within rainbow communities. So definitely um, join it if, if you um, are part of that community. But also, even if you're not, if you don't identify uh, that way, um, it's a really good show to check out just to learn more about those issues and, and become a better ally around those issues as well. So check that out 12 till 1 every Sunday. On the show today, we are joined by Harley McDonald Eckersall, who was a regular um, Freedom of Species presenter um, back in, uh, when she was in Melbourne, but now over in London has still been contributing um, to the show while over there with Animal Rebellion. So welcome back to the show, Harley. Thanks for having me. And I'm also joined by fellow Freedom of Species presenter, Adam Carlini. Hey, Adam. Howdy. And I'm Nick Pendergrass hosting today. And on the show today, we're going to be talking to Harley about the Animal Rebellion campaign, which is, um, yeah, encouraging McDonald's to go towards a, a plant-based menu, I believe. But we'll get into some of those specifics from Harley, I believe. But, yeah, I wanted to start things off, Harley, if you could talk a little bit about this campaign, but also because I, I we've had a lot of discussions about Animal Rebellion, but maybe not for a while, and also pe- listeners might be new to the, you know, might be their first episode or whatever. So maybe you talk a bit about the campaign, but also how it fits within, um, yeah, what Animal Rebellion are about more generally as well. For sure. So the campaign against McDonald's is, it's a bit, yeah, it's interesting to talk about, but it's honestly like, the the strangest thing I've probably ever been part of. Um, so obviously McDonald's is like, yeah, biggest fast food chain in the world. And it was kind of, I think, about December last year that it was just kind of beyond the, so Animal Rebellion, like, we're, like we try and use tactics of like uh, mass movement. So like mass mobilization, um, we were formed alongside Extinction Rebellion. Um, to talk about the role that animal agriculture plays in the climate emergency. So um, Animal Rebellion kind of tries to form this bridge between like the animal and the climate movement, which obviously like uh, which have historically been quite divided, even though they have such some lanes. Um, So we kind of noticed. So we kind of developed this. Well, people back in 2019 developed this organization, um, Animal Rebellion, which was kind of designed to work alongside Extinction Rebellion and those goals that they had. 
um, to kind of move society towards a world where we could address the climate crisis. And obviously, when we think about animal agriculture, um, alongside all the exploitation and the oppression and all that that happens to animals, like there's the enormous impacts it has on the climate. So that was why Animal Rebellion was formed. And I guess to start off with, we we mainly worked with XR, like we did like rebellions, which are the big kind of multi-week usually blockades and occupations and all that, um, which Extinction Rebellion does. Um, and that was kind of our main focus, like we planned for rebellions. And then COVID hit as it hit everyone and we kind of were forced online. Um, we started organizing uh, different kinds of actions. And then last year we... Um, once again, I organized a rebellion in September, um, which is really great. They're a great opportunity for people to get involved um, and to start kind of learning about, like, you know, how they can have a voice and, you know, learn about, like, civil disobedience, which is the kind of core tactic that we use. But we were also aware that, you know, the more you do a tactic, the less kind of powerful it can be. Um, you kind of kind of keep doing the same thing and the, you know, the media gets bored and the police get to know what's going on and it just kind of makes it harder and harder to actually reach out and like hit or affect the people who do hold the power. Um, so post September last year, um, we were all kind of coming back together and we we're thinking about what can we do that's really going to drive this idea of like a plant-based food system and this necessity to move away from animal farming? What can we do that's going to like drive that home to the public? And someone brought up an article which they'd found trawling through the internet, which was about KFC. Um, and it was just an article which is basically that like a couple of years ago, um, completely like out of the blue, KFC had had like, I think it was like a mechanical fault um, at their distribution center, which led to like a, a shortage of chicken across the country. And the shortage lasted for a week. And they were like, if they did this to themselves, like accidentally, could we do this like deliberately? Um, so that kind of like sparked the idea of like the McDonald's actions, which I can talk about in a minute. Um, but on top of that, we were also like, we don't want this just to be like isolated action. We want to build a campaign around this and we want to start putting pressure on these big corporations to like lead a transition away from like animal based food for the climate and also for animal justice. Um, so that was kind of like, I guess, the seed of the idea that led to the actions that we've been doing around McDonald's. Um, and yeah. Great. Um, do you want to talk us through uh, what the what this campaign has involved, some of the actions and how they've gone? Sure. Um, yeah, so this is what kind of brings me back to the thing I said at the start of, like it's been the craziest thing I've ever been part of because um, I think the first thing we did was like, I think it was over six months of just research and planning. Um, and what we learned was that McDonald's has four distribution centers in the UK. Um, so like there's, I think there's 1,300 restaurants um, and all of those are serviced by four distribution centers. So these are where like everything goes, like, all the patties, all the buns, um, drinks, straws no not straws but everything else all the food stuff um all these go to these distribution centers um and it seems kind of crazy that there's like four places in the whole country which like are like hold up this part of the supply chain 
So the first action we did, we decided to shut down, like blockade these four distribution centers. And we were like, this will send a really clear message. And like you, no one can ignore this. McDonald's can't ignore this. The government can't ignore this. Um, so we were like, yeah, full on, we're going to do this. And then we were kind of hit with the question of, yeah, okay, that's great. But how can you do that? Um, so there was a team of a very small team of us being like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then, yeah, we kind of had six months of trying to figure out how that actually happens. Um, so there was a lot of building. Um, so a lot of kind of like uh, working with like people who just have amazing talents and decided to use them to cause disruption, like non-violent disruption and kind of change the system. So building these giant bamboo structures that people might have seen, um, which are quite incredible. Um, there was a lot of trying desperately to recruit people and, you know, being like, you know, you're not going to regret this. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, and dealing with, you know, very great people and also very flaky people, as I'm sure anyone who's planned an action will be familiar with. Um, and obviously because we were doing four sites, um, so four different locations, it was just an enormous effort to get the amount of people that were needed to kind of shut these different places down. Um, so we're kind of like, yeah, planning for six months. We had to push it back, I think, about three times because of new kind of COVID things that were happening. And then we finally got to like the week of the action and we're all ready. And then the, I think it was the day before we got these like extreme wind warnings. Um, and like obviously, um, so the way we ended up blocking things was using these big, yeah, like I said, bamboo structures, which are they're called ten tensegrity structures. So they're bamboo held together with like wires um, and they're all about like, yeah, like a different tension and it's like, they look amazing. They look like they're floating. Um, so they don't do well in wind um, because there's, you know, people up there sitting, hanging from the structures. Um, so yeah, we had to push it back by one day with I think 24 hours notice. So um, it was all very, very intense. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of got to the day there was a lot of setting up structures in the dark. Um, we got asked by the police actually once um, if the structures that we use just pop up uh, like a tent. They don't. They take about, or they should take about 15 to 20 minutes to kind of set up with a, a trained team. I think ours took about 50 minutes on the day. Um, and you have to carry them. They're quite heavy. We got stuck on a fence. Um, so, yeah, all this kind of, there's a, you know, Seems, I think feel like sometimes there seems like a little of glamour to it, but a lot of it's just sitting in the mud and crying um, because, you know, you can't pull a wire and clip a carabiner onto a, onto a thing. Um, and then, yeah, we were very unexpectedly, I think for most of us, we managed to block these four distribution centres. Um, actually, I think the Guardian article that said we blocked four went up about 20 minutes before one of the groups were actually in position, but they were so slow building their structures. So, you know, the Guardian scooped us on actually doing it, but we did manage to block the four. Um, and that was the first action we did. Um, and that was, I feel like, yeah, it was a massive like success for us. Like we got, I think it was 180 media mentions um, across like print, television, news, um, all that. We managed to affect the distribution for McDonald's so much that like restaurants were shutting down. Um, we heard that McDonald's were frantically on the phone to their US kind of head office, like, what do we do? They've shut us down. We don't know what to do. Um, 
And obviously, like McDonald's were quite heavily targeted back in the 90s. Um, and there's like the famous like McLibel case where they sued some activists who actually like came out and like um, sent us a message of support, which was really lovely the night before the action and um, the McLibel too. Um, and so, yeah, they were kind of like have this kind of iron wall of never talking to protesters. So we didn't expect to hear from McDonald's and we still haven't heard from McDonald's. Um, but well, we're going to keep pushing. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the first first thing that we did. Um, and funnily enough, like of the two sites, like there were just no arrests at two of them. The police just let the people stay there and then pack up by themselves. So yeah. So how, so how long were you? Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a really great action. And one thing that uh, um, highlights is, I suppose, you're using globalization against <laughs> the monopolies that have, or the massive corporations that have um, profited so well off of it. You know, they're, they're, um, the distribute having four distribution centers for a population of what is it like 60 million or something servicing 60 million is just, mm. um, yeah, it's lovely for you folks. <laughs> <laughs> how long, how long were you able to, to stay up? Yeah, for sure. So, all up, it was 96 hours, like across the four sides. Um, so the shortest, I think, was 19. Um, and that was the site that was like, quite close to London, the police went in hard. So there were two sites. My site was one of them um, who the police, like, they did. They were like, yeah, we're going to go in hard, actually. Um, they were very, like, you know, it was all nonviolent and all that. But, like, they were, like, got the cutting teams in and, you know, had to cherry pick people out of the beacons, which is quite amazing to watch. Um, yeah, we call the bamboo structures beacons, by the way. Um, and that was, yeah, the shortest was 19. Um, our site was 22. I think so people getting removed at about 3am um and then two of the sites as I said so the one in Coventry and the one in Manchester like near Manchester so the northern sites um which are further away from the the Met police um who have all the fancy cherry pickers um the police kind of went they looked at them um kind of just shook their heads and were like nah um and then they left so Manchester stayed for 24 hours, I think, um, and then they packed down and they, they head off and then Coventry stayed for 30 hours. So they stayed overnight and then they went back in the morning, packed down and left and yeah, no arrests were made. So it was, it was quite funny because we were all staying in contact and like me, myself, like my site and then the other site who were kind of getting removed, we were sending updates being like, yep, police are here, taking people down. And then we we're getting updates from the other sites being like, yeah, we're having a Eurovision party, just had Tibetan food delivered, police have gone. Um, so workers are with us. So, yeah, it was it was quite surreal. Um, and, yeah, very surreal. The structures look really impressive. They're great, aren't they? It's, it certainly beats the old tripod. <laughs> we had a couple of those in Manchester. Um the northern sites, you know, repping solidly. But, yeah, I was kind of, I think, in the lead-up, I don't know how many times I said it, but I just kept going, like, just, these are so good. Like, what about the old D-lock around the neck and locked onto the gate? These are great. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're a pain to set up, but they're fantastic. Um, and we actually used them as well with the second uh, action that we did, which was targeting the only burger factory like the factory that produces all patties for McDonald's Burger Factory. We blockaded that place for three days 
um, with a camp, which was lovely. And and just on these these structures, is the per point of this type of structure, which is relying on a whole bunch of wires and um, counter forces and stuff to stay up, is that it's hard to take down. Like if you cut one of the wires, you're sort of making the person fall, which then means the police can't just come in and um, shake them or pull them apart very easily. It's like a really tricky operation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so it just means that I guess the the health and safety requirements are a lot higher. So you can't kind of just go in and grab someone off because, um, yeah, they're just um, – my favourite part was building them. You get this, give this big instruction manual and it says in the corner, it's like danger, um, risk of death. Um, are your team trained in building this and using this? And we were like, no. No, we're not. <laughs> um, but no one died. Uh, but no, they're completely safe. Um, but yeah, it's also just like the, the sheer thing of like the thing with like police is no one, no police officer basically can make a decision. So they have to rock up and then they have to report back and then their superiors have to t- ask their superiors. And it's just this whole kind of long chain of command. So the more complicated and the less, the, the more unique, like, if people ha- if they haven't seen something before, it has this whole chain of command of being like, I don't know, yeah, we don't know how to deal with this. We don't know how to deal with this. So it just kind of delays that process of them even being able to kind of start getting to work because it has to go through this whole that type of stuff. Yeah. And just um, what would listeners search to to find these structures online, Adam? I know you had a quick search. What what would you put in to find it? So I just I just search. looked up um, activists shut down McDonald's. UK okay. and yep. there's a whole bunch of articles that have uh, very prominently all the photos of these awesome structures because I think as Harley says they're so unique I haven't seen mm. them before that's really mm. cool I'll have to have a look and then listeners can check that out we might have that as the picture for the episode but um, if not you can have a quick look at it um, we better go to a song though um, and actually before we go to the song I just wanted to briefly mention um, Harley mentioned the McLibel case and there's a documentary it's quite old now but it's actually just called McLibel and yeah quite old like over 20 years old but still fairly relevant to what yeah, this uh, very uh, contemporary campaign so check that out it's a really great documentary on that action and um, citizens ability to challenge these corporations and yeah all that kind of stuff so definitely check that out um, we're going to go to a song now this is uh, uh, by Australian band Frenzel Rom. Um, and while you're searching, looking up for these little structures, it might be worth um, searching online or on your favourite streaming app, Frenzel Rom Not So Tough Now. So this is quite an iconic album cover. Um, and yeah, I actually I think I heard about this through John Safran's musical Jamboree, another old TV show. And he looked at all these different um, bands who sort of parodied McDonald's in some way. Uh, and some of them got sued and some of them have remained this this day and this friends or rom album is one that has remained this day it's basically got a smashed up mcdonald's is the title of the album uh sorry it's a picture of the album the title being not so tough now um i've had a bit look into this about how they got away with it and i can't confirm this this was just on a forum um but yeah someone said the reason why they got away with with it is because it was um it was destroyed by natural forces rather than vandalism or something like that but for whatever reason anyway uh this album has still remained despite the anti-mcdonald's messages even though they tend to try and sue bands when they go after them. So, yeah, the song doesn't necessarily relate to it, but it, with their song is the title of the album, uh, Friends Will Roll, and Not So Tough Now. 
wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. Welcome back to Freedom of Species, bringing you animal advocacy on the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. And we just had an announcement uh, encouraging um, or letting listeners know who donated during our Radiothon campaign, our annual fundraiser for the show and for the station more generally, um, how to pay your donation. Um, But also, if you want to go to any of those places, online, over the phone, in person, lots of different ways, um, you can make a donation to keep 3CR going. And you can specifically say that donation is for Freedom of Species to support our show specifically. So really encourage uh, listeners, if you get something out of the discussions we have, hopefully getting something out of the discussion today, uh, we're talking with um, Harley from Animal Rebellion today. Uh, But yeah, donate if you can. I know it's a tough time financially, but if anyone does have uh, any money to spare really encourage any donations to help us keep doing what we do what, what we do on this show uh, I guess um, yeah talking about this McDonald's campaign uh, just one thing I was uh, thinking about uh, from my own experience which is not at all <laughs> activist related but I've been planning a trip to Mount Buller up in the snow in Victoria uh, and I've keep rebooking stuff rebooking accommodations with lockdowns and that kind of thing um, and it sounds like you've had a kind of a similar experience in this even though that's much more important but um, yeah I just wondering that uh, would be an interesting sort of topic of conversation for activists the idea of when not just actors people in general but definitely applies to activism whenever you pl- uh, are planning an action or anything in advance you sort of have to have the assumption that it might not necessarily go ahead on the the, the date that it's planned and, and having to be flexible and and all that kind of thing so I guess you've got two options of either a spontaneous action or a spontaneous holiday like we'll, we'll do this action this weekend or go on holiday this weekend uh, whatever it might be or we're planning for this date but if it doesn't happen this date then maybe we'll do that etc so yeah just wondering about um yeah the pandemic and how that's impacted these kind of um, actions which obviously take a lot of planning yeah for sure um I think it's like it's definitely it's definitely something that I know a lot of like movements and groups have felt like the effects of and so last year um and I guess in the early parts of this year as well um there was just yeah there was a lot of uncertainty um and you know part of the reason that this action took so long to plan like the first action took so long to plan so i guess it's comparison um like the first action took about yeah i think it was six or seven months to plan and then from idea to actually doing it whereas the second one we did the blockade at the burger factory that was like from idea to actually doing it i think it was like a month um, so that kind of, and part of that was because, you know, equipment, having to build things, part of it was having not done something like that before the first time. But part of it was also just this, yeah, constant like pushing things back and not knowing and kind of being aware that things could change at any moment and then things changing very quickly and rapidly. Um, 
So last year, I know a lot of things got just cancelled um, and it was really, it's really hard, I guess, to keep momentum up when, you know, you are trying to get people involved in things and then you have to keep cancelling things. So there was a kind of a point of time where, for a large part, we just stopped planning anything because it was like it's better to have nothing and work towards something than keep planning things and cancelling things and people just kind of get this feeling of like, oh, well, there's no point in doing anything with that group because they're just going to cancel. Um, so I think we kind of like use this model of like, post-lockdown actions, which um, we would plan for an action, which we would kind of not have like a set date for. We'd just go, this will happen when it can happen. Um, so we did that last year with an action where we dyed the fountains of Trafalgar Square red. Um, and that was one of the first actions that we did that got like um, like international media attention and like real kind of big um, press. And it was definitely probably the the, most, the biggest press action that we did last year um, and that was like planned throughout the first lockdown in the UK and then it was just like always it was kind of had this date on it, it was like when we can we'll do this action and then we did um, and it was kind of similar with McDonald's it was kind of this similar thing of like planning we kind of had some dates in mind which did get pushed back but it was always kind of planning of like when we can do this we will do this um, and obviously now in the UK, um, we're in a kind of a bit more of an open place. Like we've had our restrictions pretty much completely eased um, for good. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, so it's kind of like it is opening up doors to be a bit more secure in planning things now. But I definitely think, um, yeah, I definitely think it's like, it's still this kind of caution. And I've noticed like a lot of groups kind of take that caution and just, just kind of go underground a bit. And I guess like as a perspective of being in a country where we are kind of like post lockdown a little bit, but now um, that I have really seen like a, like an upsurge in action um, in groups. So for example, like I had, I heard from a lot of people like really sadly that like, during COVID, like the grassroots animal rights movement, which like I obviously like I really identify with and a lot of people do um, back home as well, like, completely just died um, during lockdown because I think it, it relies a lot on, you know, actions and it relies a lot on regular things as well, like, you know, doing things every weekend, um, which just wasn't able to happen. Um, but since, like, even in the last couple of months, like there has been a real kind of like, um yeah like there's been movement happening again like I was this weekend at a festival in Leeds where there was a lot of um uh, grassroots animal rights groups um doing action and doing outreach um and there's also you know there's a an occupation that's popped up uh, I think it's been in place for over a month now at a, a beagle breeding factory um called Camp Beagle is what they're calling themselves so they've been stopping like trucks leaving with beagle puppies for like over a month now um, and yeah, kind of like hundreds of people at some time. So um, that I kind of like moved on in that conversation to another bit, but just saying, yeah, like I feel like there is so much uncertainty um, and there has been so much uncertainty, but I also have seen the groups have really kind of like, I guess they've been like maybe hibernating a bit, but they didn't, they didn't disappear. They just 
that were maybe yeah, a bit underground and I think planning still has been happening. It's just been happening with the idea of this needs to happen at it, like when it can happen. And speaking of speaking of um, all of that, you mentioned that that the action you explained about locking down or closing down the four blockading the four um, factories of McDonald's was the first action that you've run. Can you tell us about the the preceding ones? What else have you been up to? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so after the first after the four distribution centres, we were kind of we we're like, well, we need to keep going with this. Um, we need to do more. So the first thing that we did afterwards was um, we started doing these things called, well, we're calling them mix sit-ins. Um, so ca- like kind of using um, like, you know, a tactic which is very common in civil disobedience um, inspired by like groups like, you know, um, Nashville and the civil rights movement where kind of to oppose segregation. They did these like peaceful, like nonviolent sit-ins. Um, we we're like, we're going to, you know, bring plant-based food, sit in McDonald's and just, you know, just, just stay there for as long as we can and see what happens. Um, so we did the first one of those like the week after um, the action. And because of us putting out a Facebook event, being like, yeah, we're going to go do this. Uh, we're going to sit sit at McDonald's and we'll see what happens. McDonald's like closed all of their stores in uh, the West End of London. So I think it's a, at least five stores. Um, so we kind of ended up sitting outside their store, like eating our eating our vegan lunches and just being like, like I think there were 12 of us um, and they closed all the indoor seating. Um, so that was quite funny. Um, but then we kept doing those um, and those ended up becoming like a really great way for like lots of people to get involved. Like people were doing them in like really kind of rural towns. Um, people were doing them in cities. People were if they weren't sure like how to get involved or they were maybe like a bit nervous, they would just kind of start doing these or do them with their friends. And it's just such an easy thing to do. Um, just go in and sit and, you know, there's been, there's a lot of local press around it. Because people were doing country towns and the country press were like, there's nothing else to report. This looks good. Some protesters sitting at McDonald's, very confusing. Um, so it was, yeah, it was really great actually. Um, so we were doing those um, quite frequently. Um, but we also wanted to make sure that we were kind of putting on the pressure. And I guess one of our goals, like our demand for McDonald's, is that they go plant-based by 2025. Um, and we think it's, yeah, it's just like, you know, it's, this is what they need to do. Um, but kind of, I guess, our one of our tertiary goals is we just really want McDonald's to respond to us um, because we, yeah, like all of us watch like McLeibel in like preparation for these actions and we were all kind of really aware, I think, as I said, that, like, since that, like, since they kind of lost so embarrassingly, and, like, I think it's been described as, like, the biggest PR nightmare um, for McDonald's. Like, even though they won the first one and they lost in, like, the EU High Commission, like, this big thing. Um, yeah, since then, they've never sued an activist group. Um, so we were like, why is no one putting pressure on McDonald's? They're literally... They hide. They're scared. They're scared of protesters. They're scared of peaceful protesters. Um, so we really want them to respond. Um, so we wanted to keep putting the pressure on. Um, so earlier on, we'd learnt that, again, like four distribution centres, one factory that produces burgers, like patties, like Big Mac patties, one, three million a day. Um, so we were like, okay, well, that's, that's got to be our next target. Um, so we decided to, like, set up, kind of a longer blockade this time. So, again, we used the structures which 
the police had kindly given back to us after the one of the sites where they just hadn't arrested people, so we managed to pack them down, so we managed to reuse them, which was very kind. Um, we had a big, like, unhappy meal box and um, our our um, XX animal transport truck, which is now an action truck, which has blocked the centre of London and been many places now. Um, so that was our McMurder truck, um, as well as, you know, other bits and pieces and, and we set up a camp at this distribution at this yeah like production facility in the lovely name Scumthorpe um, which is in the north of England um, so yeah that was the kind of next thing we did and we camped there three days and shut down the operations and the production so we kind of ex- we approximate that about nine million burgers uh, were disrupted um, three million a day and yeah, that was kind of the next thing that we did. And now um, now we're gearing up for the rebellion, which is happening in – just looked at my date on my phone and I got scared because it's happening – starting on the 23rd of August, um, so very soon. Um, and that will be um, not just targeting McDonald's but kind of like targeting industries that are contributing to, I guess, holding us back from like progress and like – just this need to move towards like a plant-based food system and also organizing the animal rights march um which is kind of like as well as like because animal rebellion talks about the climate a lot but we also talk about you know animal justice and we talk about the need uh for transition for like both reasons so we're really good to be able to have the like host the animal rights march and like bring all these groups together to talk about animals and animal liberation um during this rebellion which is organized by Extinction Rebellion to talk about like, the climate crisis. Um, and like, it's, I think it's going to be really great. Like, Extinction Rebellion haven't planned anything on the day where the Animal Rights March will be. And they're encouraging people from Extinction Rebellion to like come along to this march, which I think again has been like, as I said earlier, like there's sometimes been a lot of division between like animal and climate groups. Um, and it's just really nice to be able to see how we can kind of come together and unite and yeah, it's, it's, I think it's needed. Like, it's just really needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think those two actions you spoke about sort of complement each other really well because you've got the sort of the blocking the distribution centres, which is, I'd imagine for some activists would be a bit of an intimidating action that, you know, some wouldn't be up for, but some might feel it may be less confrontational to, you know, sit in a McDonald's and, and have a bit more of a, a passive or, or maybe not passive, probably not the right word, but not as sort of intense kind of action, I guess. So it might bring in more people who support the message, but finding different ways people to get to get involved but I also think that action I imagine you sort of managed to decentralize your tactics a bit in that you had this more is more of a tactic I guess where I guess you as an organization I imagine didn't necessarily have to be directly involved but just said here's this tactic we're doing anyone can join in and I, you, I imagine you could reach a lot more people that way so um, yeah any thoughts on the idea about like accessibility and, and sort of decentralizing tactics as well yeah for sure um I think accessibility is like a big thing because obviously like when you're kind of used being an organization which uses like civil disobedience, like you're kind of faced with this thing of you are asking people to a lot of the time like get arrested, um, which is you know fine for some people. I know a lot of people in the climate movement, the animal movement have been arrested 
more times that they can count. Um, but then it's it's just not an option for so many people that for whatever reasons, like for so many reasons, it's just not it's not something they can do. It's not something they can even risk. Um, so it does mean that when you're planning these like kind of, I guess, like high risk in that sense actions that you are kind of like closing the doors to a number of people who just can't, like can't risk that. Um, so things like the sit-ins, things like the march as well, like those are chances for people who like, yeah, like aren't in that position or, but still want to make their voice heard. Like it's a chance for them to get involved. Um, and yeah, also decentralizing animal rebellion like aims to be decentralized. Um, and again, like this is something that COVID has made even more difficult because it's just, it's really hard to kind of like, I guess, plan like in kind of more, yeah, like decentralized ways when you're like only online and it kind of becomes very, very like small. But when you kind of like present a, present a campaign, that allows people to be decentralized because they have an idea and they have like, yeah. Um, we better go to another song. Uh, and so, yeah, the song that we're going to play is Vegan Myths Debunked by Jonathan Mann and Ivory King. Um, and the reason I'm playing this, obviously we're talking about plant-based food systems and that kind of thing, is I guess drawing on previous discussions that we've had with Harley, um, as well as another recent episode we did called something like One in Three People Support plant-based diets progress for the vegan movement there's this quite i feel like these myths are kind of beginning to be debunked in society more broadly um but having said that even though a lot of people uh, or less people are rejecting philosophically to veganism we still live in a a a food system that isn't plant-based which is where animal rebellion kind of fills that gap and is isn't just you know sort of encouraging individual change but actually changing the system the food system more fundamentally at the government level or in this case at their corporate level as well so yeah we'll play this track we'll be back with more after this hey ivory yeah jonathan you're vegan right yes that's right i am can i ask you some questions then sure man of course you can are you ready for the questions then what are you waiting for Where do you get your protein? Protein, protein, only meat has protein. So where do you get your protein? Actually, lots of things have protein. Beans have protein. Greens have protein. Fruits and nuts have protein. Greens and seeds have protein. And here's the thing that's so obscene. Don't need so much protein. Most people eat more than they need. Well, I never knew that before. It's true. Where do you get your calcium? Only milk is calcium. Healthy bones from cow's milk. Calcium, I drink it yum. Lots of plants have calcium and lots and lots of calcium. And cholesterol, well, they have none of the fat found in milk. Calcium, no fat? Greens give me calcium? What about our ancestors? Didn't they eat meat? If I wasn't supposed to eat it, then why do I have these teeth? Do your teeth look like a carnivore, so sharp and pointy-like? No, you gotta cook your meat over a roaring firelight. Furthermore, all carnivores act on instinct. But humans make the choices they consider and they think. If humans of old ate meat, it was a choice, not a necessity. Well, I never thought about it that way. Everyone were vegan. What about 
about all the cows and all the gajillion chickens that are living on farms now. If everyone were vegan, it wouldn't happen overnight. Demand would just decline, and so would the supply. Isn't vegan food just bland and gross? No, it's yummier than most. You care about animals more, you do. I care about animals. People too. Aren't vegan men weak and girly? I find vegan men quite sexy. B12, so they're ha ha. B12's for bacteria. Where do you get your protein? Plants. Where do you get calcium? Plants. Where do you get your iron? Plants. Where do you get your zinc? Plants. Where do you get your protein? Plants. Where do you get calcium? Plants. Where do you get your iron? Plants. Where do you get your zinc? Plants. The ivory. Yeah, Jonathan. I think I get it now. You do? It's all about plants. Yep, that's pretty much it. Okay, cool. Glad we cleared it up. Me too. Let's have a snack. Okay. Female identifying artists aged 18 to 35 are invited to enter the Ellen Jose Art Award, a $15,000 non-acquisitive award. Ellen Jose was a pioneer in Australia's urban indigenous art movement and a radical activist and social justice campaigner. The award is given in the hope that it will support the winning artist's continued development by providing recognition as well as a financial boost. All six finalists will receive an artist fee and have the opportunity for their work to be professionally presented in an exhibition with an accompanying publication. The award is a partnership between the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation and Bayside City Council. Entries are now open and close on Friday the 27th of August. Head to bayside.vic.gov.au and search for the Ellen Jose Art Award for all the details. A 3CR supporter. Love come your way. What can I say? You feel the Thanks for listening. You're listening to Freedom of Species here on 855 AM 3CR Community Radio, and we're speaking with Harley from Animal Rebellion, who's been talking to us about some um, actions that Animal Rebellion have been uh, orchestrating against McDonald's in the UK, and really interesting approaches to actions using, I think, um, the centralised nature of these big corporations to uh, really sort of do effective action in a country like the UK. Um, you mentioned the that some people, in terms of coming to an action, they sort of um, consider the risk profile of, a, of an action. Some people won't go for those really big um, actions where they might be arrested, so they go and do a sit-in instead or an eat-in at McDonald's, which is great. I love that. Um, I wonder whether, what, what you, whether you got a sense... Um, I was just interested whether there was a sense of any um, reputational risk for Animal Rebellion, probably not, in regards to the doing actions against McDonald's. Like, so many people go to McDonald's regularly, they enjoy McDonald's, but I I wonder whether most people realise that it's probably not that great for them and maybe if they're forced not to have mcdonald's for a few days it's actually they don't get too annoyed with it whereas many other actions people get so pissed off (laughs) did you what was sort of the community reaction to targeting mcdonald's were people like yeah who cares like what was the (laughs) reaction you got yeah um it's it's been a bit of a mixed bag because 
what we learned when we were planning this action was that so many people hate McDonald's. Like suddenly we it was like we always talk about Under Rebellion about like you know building bridges and making connections. Um, and I think it's like a lot of like animal groups kind of know it can be hard sometimes that like other groups don't want to talk about animals or don't want to be involved in a group that is. Then you start talking about McDonald's and it's like you get your anti-globalization crew on board, you get your anti-capitalists, you get your workers' rights, you get your environmental rights. Everyone hates McDonald's. So from like a movement movement perspective, we were like suddenly like, oh, wow, everyone wants to be involved with us now. Um, so, yeah, like from a movement perspective, we realized like how kind of strong a target this is. Um, and, yeah, like you get you get your fair share of hate. Um mainly from just a very yeah, small group of people who are very persistent, mainly online. Um, so, but I think, yeah, like I was surprised by how in general, like positive things were, I guess. Like um, I think, yeah, it's kind of like what you said of that. And I was, I remember I was saying this like a lot in the lead up to the action of that. There's not very many people who are actually like, you know, there's a lot of people who go to McDonald's and a lot of people who go to McDonald's regularly, but there's not many people who would stand up and take a hit from McDonald's. Like I think, you know, everyone, most people know that it's not very good for so many reasons. And I think like there's a reason that, you know, there's, there's so many. And I think again, if you look at McDonald's branding, it's quite funny. Like they really try and like make themselves like, you know, so wholesome and they're really kind of pushing that really hard. But I think like for the most part, it's a, it's kind of like what you do and you kind of feel a bit like, oh, yeah, just, you know, had nothing else. So I went and got a, got a McDonald's. Um, so, yeah, it was like for the most part, I think that was, you know, the usual kind of pushback of like, uh, you know, I didn't have my thing. I don't know. What, what do they sell? The, the burger, the buns, the muffin, muffins, things. I didn't have my McMuffin. There we go. I didn't have that this morning. Um, and, you know, when we were at the blockade um, in Scunthorpe, there was a lot of kind of like, yeah, people driving past and like, you know, kind of like a lot of support in the community. Um, then also a lot of people kind of driving past and shouting, you know, very, very original things at the, at the window about, you know, being very, like very much loving McDonald's. But I think like, it's, like for the most part, it's been really good. Like people were kind of like aware that this is a, topic that needs to be discussed um whether or not they want to discuss it is another question um and i think like conservative radio is usually a good marker of this um and like we had a lot of really good interviews um of people like yeah like actually kind of being like you know asking like oh but what about the consumer choice and then we'd say um it's not about choice it's about these corporations causing so much destruction um and they need to be held accountable to this and people were really on side with that and like they were really kind of on board with that of like yeah that's that's true that you know these big corporations are causing the majority of impact and it's not about the consumer to fix that it's about these corporations um taking responsibility for that it's yeah it's funny that there's nothing quite like a, a a big enemy as a unifying force and it seems like yeah. mcdonald's could be that unifying force for us climate change <laughs> climate change bringing isn't quite <laughs> yeah, mcdonald's bringing everyone together that's lovely <laughs>
and uh, I was sort of following the actions on Twitter, and I do remember the sit-in actions specifically. Um, yeah, and, and there weren't really any negative comments from the general public, and the only ones I did see were actually, there seemed to be some kind of group representing the owners of the individual McDonald's stores or something like that. Um, and it was interesting, actually, just years ago in an undergraduate assignment I did on McDonald's, there was this website set up by the owners of McDonald's, and they're actually really critical of McDonald's, the corporation, which is kind of interesting. And so they were sort of these people criticised were saying, like, you're going after McDonald's, be having an impact on these smaller people. Um, of course, just because you're a smaller business doesn't mean you don't have any ethical obligations or anything like that. But, um, yeah, we, we've only got probably two or three minutes to go. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to finish up whether you want to talk about anything like responding to any criticisms or about the reactions generally, anything more you want to say about that. Or anything else you'd like to say, uh, again, because we are pretty much at the end in the last couple of minutes. I'll hand over to Harley. Uh, go ahead. For sure. I think like the biggest thing for us is like whenever we plan something is like thinking about who are the people who we're affecting, who aren't the people who should be affected. Um, so I know before the two actions that we did, we worked with a, a little bit with a Mitch Strike. So they're a group like represents like workers' rights like at McDonald's. Um, and we tried to do what we could to kind of make sure that we weren't going to be impacting like workers specifically. And it's hard because when you were causing disruption to these big businesses, there are people who get caught in the crossfires who shouldn't be there um, or who don't deserve to kind of be part of that. Um, and I think like we always try and do what we can to like, honestly respond to these people and like have conversations and dialogue with them. Um, but yeah, it can be, can be difficult because I think it's it's really hard um, to move towards the world that you want to see um, when like so much of our systems is trapped in these like big like corporations and these big businesses which are causing so much harm. Um, but yeah, like we we have this kind of like policy of like being honest and being like yeah and also like planning as much as we can to not cause like unnecessary disruption and harm. Yeah. Yep, and I guess finally, just any links for Animal, Animal Rebellion. How can people find out more? How can people get involved? All that kind of stuff. For sure. Um, so you can check out our website, which is www.animalrebellion.org, um, and we're on all the socials. Um, as yeah, just look up Animal Rebellion. Um, you can find our like UK page. There's also uh, groups across the world. Um, I think there's one in Australia, um, not too active, I don't think, but yeah, across Europe um, and the States as well. And you can also, on our website, you can find out more about the rebellion and the Animal Rights March. Um, and if you want to plan an action like this as well, like I'm happy to drop my email and just get in touch. Um, you know, it really just takes, like I guess, like a small group of people who want to do something and some, you know, cool structures and you're good to go great and yeah a reminder to listeners our show is one till two every sunday you can tune in live via 855 am if you're in melbourne but also via the 3cr website 3cr.org.au from anywhere around the world all of our previous podcasts are available via 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species as well as on a range of podcast apps. And I encourage you particularly um, a couple of things we touched on in that show, um, such as the connections Animal Rebellion has made with Extinction Rebellion, uh, also Animal Rebellion's approach of 
of not so much focusing on promoting individual veganism, but trying to change um, towards a, a more plant-based system, and hopefully, a, yeah, a totally plant-based system eventually um, at a more structural level. Um, there's heaps of discussions we've had around that. So if you just look for an episode with Animal Rebellion in the title, there's a bunch of previous episodes um, that do have Animal Rebellion uh, in the title, then any of those episodes will explore those themes further. You can also contact us via email, freedomofspecies at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Um, and yeah, we're going to finish up with a song um, Anti-Flag, sorry, by Anti-Flag. It's called Underground Network. It's all about alternative media. Um, and yeah, just encourage people to listen to 3CR in general. I enjoy uh, when I'm occasionally in a hire car, just turning on 855am, uh, but also more likely when I'm at home, just listening in via the tune in app listen live to 3cr um i recently found a new show i liked um which is she bop uh that is monday 10 30 a.m till 11 that's a feminist show um but yeah if you just tune in any time of day you'll find new shows that you haven't heard of before that you like so check out 3cr and again this this uh song and this station is all about alternative media Stay tuned for Rotations, which is a music show, a bunch of different music from a range of 3CR presenters. Uh, And that is all we have time for this week. Thanks, Adam and Harley. Thank you.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.